0: Good morning, it's lovely to be here with you. Thanks Dave, it is great. And it was um, a really good opportunity to put some lipstick on. Haven't done that for a while. This morning I wanted to start by asking a question. Have you ever done something without fully understanding the purpose of what you were doing? Can you think back to a time when that happened? For me it was year 10 chemistry. I spent a whole lot of time rehearsing why I was never going to need to know the periodic table, why it was never going to be useful, I would never need it, and I'm probably far more time doing that than I did actually ever looking at it. The ironic part is that I voluntarily chose chemistry as an elective. We are near the end of our series created for relationship and I found it really helpful and I hope you have too. This morning we're talking about parenting, and as weird as the analogy is, I kind of think it's a little bit like me using or learning the periodic, periodic table. We all enter into it voluntarily, we enjoy it at the start, and then somewhere in the middle we wonder what on earth we're doing, and we realise that it's harder and more complicated than we were expecting. And parenting goes for a lot longer than the six months of my Year 10 chemistry subject. Very rarely does anyone start out on their parenting journey with a really clear sense of the purpose behind the why they're doing what they're doing. If we asked ourselves and we thought about it for a while, we might come up with some good answers. We might say something around wanting our kids to be happy or being successful or productive. These are all great. And I hope that, um, that if you're tracking with me, that you're probably way ahead of me. Have you ever thought and paused to think about what God says the purpose of parenting is? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, I want us to see and I'm hoping to help us grasp the why, the how, the when, and the who of what God gives us to help us base what we do as parents. The why, because it's really important to know the end goal, it gives us something to aim for and a filter to put everything else through. The how, Because God gives us a model that is completely customizable. It is useful and practical. And it's for everyone. The when? Because God gives us this universal pattern that works for every age and stage and phase that we might go through. And the who? Because even though it's directed at parents, it's really for the entire community. We're going to look at Moses' speech in Deuteronomy 6. He's talking to the entire community. Even if you're not a parent... Please don't switch off. You're called to play an important role in this, and we need you. The passage we're going to look at today is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 1 and go through to the end of verse 8. If you've got your Bible with you or a device, would you grab it now and we'll read together. So chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's the start of verse 8. I'm going to stop there. So we're up to the why. God gives us a purpose for what we do. He says that the purpose of parenthood is to help our children to love him with all of their heart, all of their soul and all of their strength. God wants us to raise disciples. Did you catch that? Parenting is designed by God to be the first place that we experience discipleship. The purpose of parenting is to raise our children to come to know and love Jesus, to be disciples. When we talk about discipleship, we often overlook what happens in our homes. Instead, we think about adult-to-adult relationships, spending time together where we, where we intentionally help each other to grow, to mature, to be complete. But God actually wants us to look at parenting in the same way. The home is perfectly designed by God to be the place where we are introduced to Jesus for us to experience safe and loving relationships that lead us into relationship with him. If we love our children, the most loving thing we can do for them is to lead them to Jesus. This passes and trumps every other motive, every other purpose for what we do. And when we run everything we do through this filter, life gets a whole lot simpler. Any other goal we have for our children is actually deceptive and self-defeating. If we want them to be happy, but we don't help them to participate with what the Holy Spirit's doing in their lives, growing the fruit of God's character in them so that they become more like Jesus, they will never have a deep peace or a joy or a contentment. They will not be able to live out the fullness that God came to bring. Outside of relationship with Christ, our happiness is dependent on circumstances and it's fleeting. If we want them to be successful by the world's standards, then we are setting them up to be defeated. It will be a life of emptiness and dissatisfaction. What God calls success isn't what the world calls success, and we want them to want what God wants. In this sermon series, we've heard the same thing from every person that's gotten up and spoken. We were created for relationship with God and others and that living out of our identity in Christ will lead to us being our best selves, being able to succeed whether we're married or single. We, are, we will choose to follow Jesus no matter where he leads us. We will do everything for God's glory. Why would we want anything less for our children? If our goal for our children is that they know Jesus, experience his love and live out of that love, doing all for his glory, the why behind what we do it changes everything. So we're up to the how. If we all want our children to come to know and love Jesus, how do we do it? The start of verse 7, we hear the words teach and talk. Now some versions use the word impress, which could also be imprint. You shall teach and talk. It's intentionally living out our faith in front of our children and then explaining what it is that we're doing. So simple. Intentionally, sharing our relationship with God, with our children, will automatically provide opportunities to talk with them about God, inviting them into our spiritual journey and being intentional to shape theirs. This is discipleship. Verse 6 says, And these words that I command you, today they shall be on your heart. Parents, it starts with us. If we want our children to grow as disciples of Christ, they must see us growing as disciples of Christ. We need to just make our relationship with him visible and up for discussion. This includes our Bible reading, forgiving those who have hurt us, praying, worship, serving, giving of our time and money, trusting God when we could be worrying, being honest even when it costs us, being part of a small group and a larger church community, all of it all of it needs to be available to them thinking about discipleship through a coaching framework can be really helpful especially for us parents that don't really know where to start if we think about that model they uh, we do they watch we do they help they do we help they do we watch and eventually we cheer Before we get specific with the what, let's look at the when, because they're so closely tied together. Back in verse 7, it said, I'll read it for you. Back in verse 7, it said, Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I think we could safely say these times cover everything. They pretty much cover all of it. But the time at home, that covers when you've got little ones, it covers bath time and play time, story time, meal time. You're sitting around the table, guys, having a board game. It's that too. Walking would be driving or traveling, probably not very far at the moment, but when we're out and about, when we're lying down is going to bed, when we're putting them to bed or when they are going to bed, and the getting up, setting and starting our days off with time with God. Every family will have their own rhythm, times that work naturally for them to have faith conversations times where they will naturally and easily serve others or pray together. If we're thinking that discipleship is the purpose of parenting, we will begin to see opportunities everywhere. In the Gospels, we see Jesus, and he gathers his group of disciples with him, and then what's he do? He does life with them. He walks and travels with them. He eats with them. He sleeps with them. This is what discipleship is. Uh, we often see Jesus doing life with the disciples and out of the everydayness of life come the valuable teaching moments and it's often later that we see the disciples asking Jesus to explain what it meant this is our perfect model we all eat, we normally all go out and about we go to bed and we get up it's not adding anything in it's the using what we already do for a greater purpose and when we're doing that, we can leverage everyday opportunities, the simple things of life, we can leverage them to get the result we actually want. So practically, let's break this down by age groups. Hopefully this will be helpful for you. If your children are zero to two, you're in the phase where you do and they watch. But don't underestimate how valuable this is. They can watch all of your examples. Read with them, sing with them, pray with them, bring them to church with you, take them to small group with you. If you're running an errand and you see somebody walking on the street and you want to pray for them, talk to them about that. Help them say prayers. You'd be amazed at what little ones can just soak up. If you're going to read a story, chuck in a Bible story or two. You might find eventually they've got some great favorites. Let them see you enjoy God and his people if your children are three to five you do they watch and help and will very eagerly at this stage ask you why probably about 400 times a day but they will want to know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it make talking about god a very normal part of your day about your family life if you have bath time and all the other things that you do Teach them to expect that these will bring opportunities for you to mention God, to bring up what he's doing, to give thanks for our bodies as we wash them, to give thanks for the food as we eat it, to pray for the things that hurt us, to um, to treasure his word and time with his word and with his people. All the little things that you make become habits now will return big results later. Imagining the end now will be helpful. Do you want to be a family that has daily devotions after dinner? Start now. Even if it feels silly that you think they don't really get it, that they they want to run from the table too quickly, start now with something simple and build on it. You'll know what they're ready for. You'll know what their age-appropriate things are. Now is a great time to start a bedtime routine where you're reading with them and praying with them, maybe asking a question about how they felt their day went and what God was doing in them and through them that day. If you have a verse you're learning and it's stuck on your bathroom mirror, put one up for them. Even if they can't read yet, the idea that faith for them is something they participate in, that's what you're trying to grow. Encourage them to be saying grace and saying prayers. They can choose the songs that you listen to as you dance around the house. They can pray for a friend. They can wait a minute while you read your Bible. They can come with you to drop a meal off or fix someone's fence. They will watch... They will want to do and they will want to ask why. I'll just really encourage you guys if you're doing an early morning quiet time but it's in private, now would be a great time to start doing it in the family room or in a public place so that they can see you have a daily habit of choosing to spend time with God. Every aspect of our faith is suitable to share. It's up to us to be intentional about doing it. This age group have a driving need and a driving question it's, Am I safe? And you get to teach them that God made them, that God loves them and that God wants to be their friend forever. And in that, that he's in charge and yes, they are safe. You get to meet their deepest needs in this time. If you are in the age group of the 6 to 12-year-olds, buckle up. <laughs> They've entered the bubble. Everything's about them. Well, probably from childhood onwards, you notice that. They're in the stage where they do and you help This includes life skills and faith skills. Let's not separate the sacred and the secular. Let's mush them back together like they're supposed to be so that children can see that their faith now applies to their everyday life. Everything you're teaching them, you're expecting that they will need to practice. They don't just suddenly pick up an instrument without practicing over and over and over how to play and become competent at it. Our faith skills are the same. They need encouragement. They will want you to do it with them. If they're going to read their Bibles, if they're going to pray, if they're going to have a devotion, if they're going to serve, they're going to give tithing out of, their offer, out of their pocket money, they're going to need you to help them. But let them do it. This is the time where they can really personalize their faith and their relationship with God. They will see their prayers answered. Encourage them to live lives of bold faith. They will continue to ask questions, but they're probably starting to think that they know it all anyway. But the conversations here are awesome. Start with dinner time conversations, car time conversations, and start to push a bit deeper. Rather than the how was your day at school today, where was God at work today? How were you kind today? Who did you see that reflected Jesus to you today? Some of these are great conversations. If if you're learning a verse about wisdom, How are you wise today? Who's the wisest person you know? Some of these conversations will start off simple and all of a sudden they'll dive deep. Be prepared. If you're willing to be vulnerable, they will learn that it's safe to do so too. We want to be talking about everything, to frame everything with God's truth. Trust me, they are hearing enough lies to sink a ship. They need you to frame all that's happening in their world around who God is and what he... he, (laughs) what he is, his truth. They need this foundation. Your attitudes will be absorbed, whether you like it or not. You get to make the most of those Jesus-teachable moments. If you're walking and you see something, comment on it, observe it, frame it. Love people so that they can see it and they can love people too. As their skills and competency grow, so will their confidence. How they spend their time and who they spend it with are really important Friendships at this age are massive. If you want your children to have Christian friends who will speak life to them, who will build them up, then you need to be putting them in places where they can meet those children. This age group and stage, they are asking and their driving need is, am I okay? Will people like me? What am I good at? Who am I? Their greatest need is to belong. You get to affirm that. You get to affirm who they are and that they belong in your family and God's wider family. This is an awesome stage. Okay, we're up to the teenagers. ear tracking with me? In the teenage years, they do. You watch and probably hold on tight. This stage is all about giving them a safe place to ask questions about life, about faith, and then asking them great questions What we want here is to cause them to think. They've heard the Bible stories. They've sung the songs. They want to know how it works. Does this work for me? How do I apply it? What's it look like in real life? Other people, we'll we'll get to the other people in the who, but this is key here, guys. They need other people in their lives rather than asking them and, and being more directive like you would have been when they were little. Though trust me, a teenager probably needs to be told to take a shower occasionally and expect that you, <laughs> you expect that you will be obeyed. But it's far less directive. Rather than saying, go and read your Bible, it's probably more about what are you reading? What are you thinking about? What are you praying about? Can I pray with you about that? Where's God showing you tr- new truth? at the moment some of these questions are are big but they are wrestling with big questions these teenagers are under enormous pressure from themselves from the world social media now i did hear a great question it's not what would jesus do it's what would jesus do if he were you so what would jesus do if he had your skill set your environment your friends set your your gifts and abilities your interests what would jesus do with those Jesus didn't have Instagram or TikTok. What would he do if he was you and he had them? Asking children or young people at this age, they're not children, asking our youth at this age to apply their faith is going to give them a sense of how it works and why they need it. This is the age where they have big doubts. If you're having a dinner time conversation, now would be a great time to share your faith journey. Share where you've wrestled with doubts. If they ask a question and you don't know, Look for it together. Say, I don't know, and go hunting. Let them know that you're willing to wrestle with those questions with them. You may not see them at breakfast time so much anymore, but you may get more time with them in the car. They may want to talk late at night. Make the most of every opportunity. They go past quick. If you've not had faith conversations before and it feels awkward, start small. But I'd really encourage you to start. It's never too late. No matter what age and stage you're at, it's never too late as a family to show what it looks like to live for Jesus. Engaging them to serve others is a great great opportunity at this age. They have skills they're practically able to help. Helping them see past themselves and outside of that bubble is really good. These big decisions and big questions that they're asking will need a robust community to do it in. But don't give up. Parents, you make a a great difference. You um, you have more influence than you know. You might think that you've dropped off the radar and friends take precedence. Don't underestimate the witness of your example. They still are watching. These guys are asking, how does my faith in God play out in my life? What's my purpose? How will God use me? You get to affirm who they are, their sense of belonging, and their purpose. We know what our purpose is. Their purpose is the same. It's to love God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our strength. We can do it, and we can help them do it. Now, really, the stages aren't as neat or as clearly defined as this. I've... I've squished them in just to be practical this morning. But God's plan for us as parents is to disciple our children, no matter what their age or their stage or their ability. If you've been gifted with a child with special needs, a child that's neurodiverse, a child that you find has other challenging issues, don't give up. Don't think that this isn't for you. It is. And be encouraged, people. God has chosen you. You are the parent he has given this child Therefore, he will give you what you need. He will give you the strength and the wisdom and the insight. I haven't mentioned prayer. Here's a good spot to put it in. The best thing we can be doing, even over all the doing and the talking, is praying for them. Let them know that you're praying for them, but be doing it. And now we've got to the who. I told you guys you were needed. In 2011, Dr. Cara Powell and Dr. Chip Clark released a book based on the research they did through the Fuller Youth Institute, which comes out of the Fuller Seminary. And um, they noted that about half of all young people that were coming out of a youth group or a church setting did not go on to follow Jesus or to live a life where faith was a part of it. Sad, isn't it? But they did find some things. Over the last 10 years, they've been doing lots more research into this and into the... The strategies and the ways that the families where they have had kids go on to live lives of faith and in fullness and love with Jesus, um, they found lots of things that have been really helpful. And we can draw on their research. Uh, It's called Sticky Faith. If you're interested in um, their book for families, Approach Dave Gillett or myself, or or any other resources. If you're wanting quiet time stuff, if you're wanting age-appropriate books or music, let us know. We'd love to help you. But one of the biggest things they discovered is that parents actually do make more of a difference than we realise. Dads in particular. Dads, sorry to lay this at your feet again, but this is really important. We're a few weeks out from celebrating Father's Day. Maybe this Father's Day is a great day to make a commitment to really intentionally discipling your children. But even with the best of intentions, even the best parents still need others. So one of the great statistics they found is that the average number of people Uh, young people had around them that encouraged them to live a life of faith and that they went on to live a life of faith was five, five people. Five people who know their name, five people who are willing to have faith conversations with them, who are willing to show up at a sports game or just be invested in their lives. Now, if you call BBC home, no matter what your age or your stage, we need you here. We have a big number of young people and children in case you don't know, more than 200. That means we need over 1,000 people that are intentionally investing into the lives of our young people. We need you. Don't think, oh, I'm not married or I don't have kids or I'm past that stage or my kids have grown up and left home. We still need you. You still play a big role. And parents, we need to intentionally widen our circles. We need to invite other people in to speak into the lives of our children. And the sooner we start, the better. If we want our our youth to uh, have a safe adult to approach with a big question that's not us, that relationship will already need to be established. It's never too late, but the earlier you start, the better. Widening our community is not as hard as it sounds. Church on a Sunday morning for our young people is really valuable. Youth group, a small group. Get involved. Don't think that it's not important. It actually really, really is. Here at BBC, we place a big emphasis on discipleship. We use Matthew 4.19 to explain what it is. And we need to, as a community, widen our perspective to see that it includes our children. Discipleship starts at birth. It's lifelong, ongoing, unceasing, and we all participate in it. Our children are disciples. They too can follow Christ, be transformed by him and be on mission with him. They're not the future church. They're the church now, and we need to see it that way and to build them up. In Matthew 18, at the start of Matthew 18, uh, Jesus uses a child and says the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as this. Jesus is pointing out that we can learn from children. We can approach him with their childlike faith. Children will nourish and nurture us just as much as we nourish and nurture them. The relationships are reciprocal. In Matthew 19, at the start of that chapter, Jesus actually rebukes the disciples from because they were preventing children coming to him. Now, disciples, people of BBC, we get choices. Do we intentionally bring children, include them and draw them into relationship with Jesus or do we keep them at arm's length? I know about you, but I don't want to be rebuked for holding a child back. I want to be encouraged for bringing them in. When I first heard the statistic from Sticky Faith that half of all young people didn't go on to follow Jesus, I admit, but I'm ashamed to admit it, that I was sad. But it wasn't until it became part of my own story that my heart really grieved over it. I don't want that to be part of your story, but if it is, trust me, God gives us hope and it's never too late. Keep praying, widen the circle, invite others in to pray with you and for you. Encourage other people to speak into the lives of your young adults or your adult children Nothing that I've said this morning is a magic formula. There never is an A plus B equals C. There's always in discipleship, God's part, our part and their part. We can play our part. We can trust God to play his part and we can wait with hope. I want you to imagine what our church community would look like what our bendigo community would look like what our wider world community would look like if we have a whole generation not a half a generation a whole generation that rises up to love and know follow and be transformed by an omission by with jesus wouldn't that be amazing i think we can A few weeks ago, Dave Lovell shared this quote with me, and I've been trying really hard to find out who said it and where it came from, but I haven't. If you know, let me know. I'd love to know and give them credit. The quote is this. I'm going to read it for you. I don't have any desire for my kids to just hold on to their faith. I want to see them advance the faith. I want my finish line to be their starting line, my ceiling their floor. I'm believing that their generation is going to play an even bigger part in advancing the kingdom of God in this world. Isn't that awesome? It's what I want. Is it what you want? As we wrap up this morning, I really believe that this is possible. I believe that God is showing us that discipleship does happen at birth, that it does begin in the home and go on forever, that we have been given unique opportunities as families in the everyday rhythm and cycle of life to leverage our every opportunity to help our children see, love and know God. As we share our faith with them, as we live it out visibly in front of them, as we talk about it, as we bring it into um, our everyday lives, we can trust that God will use our very best of intentions. He will take our little and he will multiply it into being great. What we actually want is for our kids to know Jesus. Why would we do anything less? Knowing him is the goal for all of us and everything else flows out of that. It's the purpose of parenthood. And everything we do can be seen through this lens. And everything we do becomes an opportunity to achieve it. Would you join with me as I pray? I'm going to pray for us and for our young people that today they would come to know and love him and that God would give us the wisdom to help them. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we want each and every young person, whether they're a newborn or they're a young adult, we want them to come to know and love you. Father, we want them to be on mission with you to be transformed by you, to be following you with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their strength and all of their might. Father, wholehearted, devoted, committed disciples of you. Father, we acknowledge that it has to start with us. And Father, we acknowledge all the times and ways we haven't lived up to this ideal. Father, would you forgive us? Would you take away any sense of guilt or condemnation? Would you help us see that today is a fresh day, that starting anew today, we can start where we're at and trust that you will make up the difference. Father, would you give us hope and a sense of confidence that your, our prayers are heard by you, that those that have grown up and don't yet know you can come back. Father, that it's never too late. Jesus, as a wider church community, would you help us see that discipleship of children is all of our responsibilities, that all of us have a role to play. Would you help us to live this out, Jesus? And we pray all these things in your mighty and precious name. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, church.